We've seen the clash of the pro-life, pro-choice positions played out on the steps of the Supreme Court and on the sidewalks of our cities, but how do we sit down and have the conversation regarding life one-on-one with family, friends, co-workers, with wisdom, humility, and compassion as we go through the Sanctity of Life Month and look toward Sanctity of Life Sunday We're talking about these life conversations with John Goodrich, professor of Bible at the Moody Bible Institute, who, along with Jeanette Hagen-Piper, professor of New Testament at Biola University, has written the book, Choosing Life, Answering Key Claims of Abortion Defenders with Compassion. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. So, John, let's talk a little bit about um, what kind of makes the abortion issue well, I mean, it's a complicated topic for a lot of people, and why so? It's complicated for a number of reasons, not least because there are real lives at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't just uh, a policy issue. This is a matter about life and death, about uh, liberties, about law, about ethics, about science, about faith for many of us. And so it's interdisciplinary, you could say. But most of all, it's because it affects the, the lives of, of real people on the street, people that we know, and our families, and next door. And we care about individuals. We care about human beings. And so this is this is an issue that touches on a matter of human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's real. It's real. It's a very mm-hmm. real issue. Yeah. yeah. So, John, in our passion for life, how sometimes can we get it wrong in talking with those that are pro-choice? I think we get it wrong, at the very least, when we forget that the people we're talking to are also real people and oftentimes people who are suffering or at least know people who are in positions that are uh, regrettable in one way or another. We forget that the people that we are speaking to are made in God's image in just the same way as the lives that we're trying to protect in the womb. So much of our discourse today, publicly, but even privately and social media and the rest, has just evolved into personal attacks and um, a failure to listen and to listen well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think there's a number of problems here, but uh, communication should certainly begin by loving the individuals that we're speaking to. Yeah. yeah let's, let's expand on that a little bit, John, because it can be a very heated topic. I mean, when you get uh, people that are passionate about either side, uh, it can be very heated. Um, how, as believers, have you found it to be the best way to really show compassion, yet still be firm on your position? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking real practically, the best way to do that, to show compassion, I think, is to listen a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, in this book, what we're trying to do is, is to speak and to project and to actually get some, some words out and can communicate on our end, our beliefs, our mm-hmm. convictions. And, yeah. But if we were to try to model this in real life, I think I would call uh, each of us to do a lot more listening and asking more questions of the people with whom we are dialoguing than we oftentimes do. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into some of the things that we might hear from those that are pro-choice, like my body, my choice. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a really common one that we hear, and we understand where folks who, who make this claim are coming from, that we all have an individual body, and we, we, we feel, and to a certain extent it's true, that we do have a certain degree of autonomy over our own self and um, our own human body. Uh, But there are limitations to that. And I think we see this enacted in a variety of ways in in everyday legal practice. Um, I can't just do anything to myself without it impinging upon uh, other people's rights or with issues of real-life morality and ethics. 
one of the things that we we talk about in this book, and I should I should mention, uh, Jeanette and I aren't the only contributors to this book. We have uh, we have a number of other authors who have authored individual chapters of this of, in, in this volume addressing these individual issues. Uh, but Joy Riley is a medical professional who has has written on on the arguments or against the argument of autonomy, my body, my choice. And in her chapter in our book, what she does a wonderful job of doing is to is to show that this isn't an issue that only involves a single mother's, a single woman's body, but plus the body of an unborn child. And even beyond that, these are, this is, this is a matter of health care and involves the, the lives and real decisions of health care workers, and they get implicated in the, 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 the practice of abortion as well. And so it's, it's just short-sighted, I think, to make, and simplistic to make the argument of simply a matter, a matter of it's my body, my choice, we need to think beyond that. Riley does a wonderful job. Dr. Riley does a wonderful job of calling women and uh, abortion defenders to think uh, more intelligently, I think, about the, the real-life implications of how these decisions affect people outside of the mother. John, how do we, uh, when we're talking uh, with someone that is opposing our view, bring in Scripture uh, with you know, talking about uh, what the Bible says about uh, abortion and you know personhood that type of thing. Yeah, scripture is an is an incredibly important resource and and, and witness to this issue. Of course, it's not going to be con- convincing and authoritative to every person we speak to unless they are a Bible believing person. Sure. But for those of us who are people of faith and who look to the Bible as God's inerrant and inspired word, scripture is certainly the first place we got to turn to to actually hear what God has to say about personhood, the value of life, and the rest. My co-editor, uh, Jeanette, wrote a fantastic essay in this volume on the personhood of the, uh, the unborn fetus, according to Scripture, and it really begins with the fact that all human beings are made in the image of God, according to Genesis chapter 1, and that, and, and that includes uh, the, the, the unborn child, because they're a human being. Uh, and that's not just uh, something that can be defended from Scripture, but from science as well. But it's because of the inherent value inherent worth of the unborn uh, fetus that we we need to treat even the unborn with as much dignity as you or I deserve. Mm-hmm. And so the scriptures attest to that. Um, many other passages outside of Genesis 1 attest to that as well. One of the most important passages to study comes out of Exodus, particular instance of case law in Exodus. And many of us don't do our quiet time, you know, in Exodus and, right. <laughs> and, and like to turn there necessarily to get all our moral cues from the Old Testament law. But in Exodus 21, we have a very interesting account of a, a pregnant woman who, who undergoes harm in a particular case involving two men who are wrestling or struggling with one another, and they accidentally, they accidentally harm an, a, a, a mother who's carrying a child. And the, this particular passage is very, very important because what we see, and I'll, and I'll spare the listeners all the details of the case um, just now, but, but what we see in Exodus 21 and tw- uh, verse 22 is that if the harm that comes upon the woman results in harm on the child, then there's the sort of uh, eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth principle that, ha- that has to be applied judicially to the person who caused the harm, mm-hmm. which I think very clearly tells us that the yeah. Scriptures view the unborn child in that instance mm-hmm. as a human being, yes. and some, um, you know, an individual, a person made in God's image worthy of, of, of care and protection. John, what would you say to those that bring up the idea of the circumstances that are really difficult, for instance, if the person was 
expecting a child because of rape or maybe the woman's life is in danger because of the pregnancy. How do you respond to that person that, that might be questioning, well, what about this? This is where our conversations oftentimes go first. And I think it's unfortunate because I really think what we just were speaking about, about the personhood of the unborn, is really where it needs to begin. But if we, if we can have that conversation and then, and then progress to, well, what about these exceptional circumstances? Can we, uh, can, can we, can we think about the difficulties here? I think that's, that's fine as long as we can, we can have that initial conversation about personhood. But to those specific cases... Um, almost all of which are, are very sad, and it's because they're very emotional, and they oftentimes involve very vulnerable women, uh, very vulnerable uh, pregnant women, that uh, I can understand why there would be a lot of focus and concern about these cases. And we deal with a number of these cases in the book, uh, including teenage pregnancy, financial hardship. We deal with rape. We deal with dis- a disabled uh, child in the womb. Um, and even even complex pregnancies, which might might risk the, the well-being of the mother. And each of these deserves their, their own their own chapter and their own their own attention. And that's what we do in the book. I will say about that last issue about uh, complex pregnancies involving you know, at least at least the the saying goes it involves it it, it, it provides a risk to the mother to to have to, to be pregnant. Um, Dr. Kendra Cobb, who writes the, the essay in our volume um, on this, does a wonderful job of showing that the truth of the matter is. Uh, abortion is never the medically nece- medically necessary option for women who are pregnant and uh, who who have a medical risk. Early delivery is is the better option. Mm. It's, it's more expedient. It, it takes far less time, and it gives far more attention to the the, the value and worth of the unborn child. And so, I strongly recommend that readers uh, read that particular chapter by Dr. Kendra Cobb. Um, but the truth of the matter is a, a number of a large number of medical doctors uh, agree that early delivery is the is the preferred medical option in that case. Hmm. But there's a number of other difficult cases as well that we give attention to. Rape is one of the most heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Paula Olari writes the essay in the volume on that. She herself was raped and conceived, um, and she chose to keep the baby. And what she talks about through her own testimony as well as uh, some t- statistics that are, that are out um, for, for readers to, to, to consider, is that the, the vast number of women who are raped, conceived, and keep the baby have no regrets about mm. that decision. Mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunate. It is, it is heart-wrenching to hear tragic stories of violence and, and, and rape and uh, my heart goes out to anyone who's ever been uh, experienced that. Uh, but the truth is that uh, ending the life of the unborn is, is, is not the morally acceptable response, uh, even to that situation. Wow. Well, this is a great resource that I think uh, we all need to read because we need to know. You know, if you say that you are pro-life, you need to know why. Yeah. And you need to have great, uh, you know, information uh, to talk about that and understand. It's called Choose Life. Answering Key Claims of Abortion Defenders with Compassion. Our guest is John Goodrich, one of the authors and contributors. Thank you, John. Appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys.